0: Turn, here?
1: To, turn to page 87 of your Bibles while you wait
0: actually I don't know what page it is in their Bibles <laughs> on the translation and stuff. I need to put the mic on I should have done that before so put the ear thingy on <clears throat> one problem with glasses your ear has to come out further I'm glad for the people who will be watching Remote Me, and I'm glad for you folks who came out and kind of brave things while I, there we go, I have an ear, there we go. Um, We're going to be talking about Pentecost um, and Acts chapter 2. So I'm going to jump you around a little bit, but you should see the Bible verses behind I'm never quite sure about my font size. Uh, I like to keep the number of slides reasonable, but I discover that if I try to do that, PowerPoint makes the writing small. So I'm trying to negotiate with PowerPoint when I create something, uh, exactly how large the font should be. Phoenix is perfect. Phoenix reminds me of the Jewish calendar. uh, Because we are coming into the hot summer Uh, And if we add water to Phoenix, things grow. Hmm. And so that's where we are. We're in the last of the feasts, and uh, we'll talk about the Jewish calendar a little bit, but I want to make this relevant to you, and it's going to be relevant to you by the end of everything. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can go to the beginning of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is pre-COVID. We know that because they had a large gathering of people from all over the place, and there were no travel restrictions. So that's kind of exciting in and of itself, right? Uh, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all in one one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat on each of them and they were filled with the holy spirit began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave utterance this is the birthday of the church this is what the prophets really didn't see Uh, as we read further down you will discover that basically uh, you had men from every place in jerusalem when you open your bible and you see this sort of background you have to ask yourself some real important questions. The way I do Bible studies, I ask God good questions and I get really good answers. And so when I open a text, I'm immediately thinking of what questions I should ask about the text. So the real question is, and this is a large chapter and we need to cover Shavuot, so I couldn't spend all my time in Acts chapter 2. What's everybody doing there? In fact, this crowd, we find out from verse 9, you've got all the different types of people. You have folks from Mesopotamia from Elam. Elam was the old name for Persia. Uh, and you have Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya. Um, you have all these people gathered. Why are they gathered? <laughs> we discovered that they're Jews and proselytes from different areas. Okay, so then why were they gathered then? Because Shavuot which is the Feast of Weeks, forms the background for Acts chapter two. God uses a Jewish feast to get these proselytes. Those are people who came to a belief in one true God, came out of paganism. Some of them went all the way into adopting Judaism. Some of them said, this isn't gonna work for us. Uh, For a male to become a full convert to Judaism required some surgery that the Roman government had no health plan for. And so Cornelius is in a little bit of trouble here because he can't take the time off for the surgery. And so he goes the way of the partial proselyte where he believes in the one true God, does a lot of the same things, but he just, you know, he can't do the surgery thing. There's no workman's comp for this. Uh, And so he doesn't go all the way with it. Uh, And there were these proselytes at the gate. These guys are all sitting here. They've all come for Shavuot, which is Pentecost, God has gathered them together. Uh, I'm not going to go into Peter's sermon. That really covers verses uh, 14 uh, all the way to about the end of the chapter. In fact, you get down to 38. Okay. Wow, I've got a backbeat. Let's see if I can. I could maybe if I could just move just right, I could get like a backbeat. We could wrap the sermon. Okay. I don't know why that's doing that. Um, And so this whole thing forms the backdrop for the birthday of the church. Now I do want to let you have a little tidbit. I always throw freebies in. What appears is tongues of fire. We're gonna talk about the giving of the law, but when I get to the giving of the law, you're gonna see fire again. And it's kind of interesting that this same sort of motif repeats. Jewish people learn by picture. All our holidays are reenactments. Our prayer book is filled with mentioning events. Okay, it's thematic pattern learning as opposed to statement. So have you ever wondered why your Old Testament is bigger? It takes more to get the point across. Uh, It's also based on the continuity of the story. So it's not as precise. Paul would just say something like, um, you're, you know, we're dead in sin and now you're alive in Christ. Boom, big theological statement. Now, if you're going to go ahead and make pictures of that, that's going to take a lot more room. And so the Old Testament works differently, but this is the background. This is why they're there. They're not there to start the church. In fact, the disciples don't even get it. Jesus has to say, you need to wait, which means that God timed the exact birthday of the church directly on Pentecost. Remember that Jesus dies on Passover. He appears to the disciples. He sets up a pre-approved, pre-set-up meeting. They were supposed to know to go to Galilee to meet him, and they aren't going. So he's gotta to appear to them and say, you know the, the pre-setup appointment on the calendar? You're supposed to go there. What are you guys still sitting, hiding in the upper room, you know, hiding in the room for? Get out there, get with me. We'll go ahead, we'll take care of this. He teaches them, and then he says you're to wait because he's timing things with Pentecost. So what used to happen with Pentecost? Let me give you a little background. Um, It's not like it is today. So we're going to talk a little bit about the ancient background. We're going to talk about what Jewish people do today. Then we're going to tie things together. Um, This is a long section of scripture. If you want the calendar for Israel, you go to Leviticus 23. That's the calendar chapter. You can even write there the ancient calendar chapter because that's what Leviticus 23 is. It's an overview of the feasts. It's an overview. You're going to see that a lot in your Bible. You get the overview, then you get the details. Then you get the details again, in case they forgot the details. Then you get the details every time they break the details, so God can remind them of what they did wrong. And that's kind of the way your Old Testament or your Hebrew Scriptures work. And so when we start this, you're to count in Leviticus 23, 15 through 22. Okay? And I haven't been changing this, have I? Because I forgot I was supposed to do that. That's okay, I'm not changing it. Oh, it's the wrong button. There we go. Okay, now we got it. I have to remember, down is up and up is down. Okay, there is the scripture verse, so if you don't need to turn there or your cell phone's low on battery, you can save yourself some time. You shall count for yourself the day after the Sabbath from the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths. Passover, as Jews call today, used to be divided into the Lord's Passover, the Feast of unleavened Bread, and what was called the Feast of First Fruits. And so that's a whole story in itself, but you brought a wave offering, you counted out 50 days. That's why it's called Pentecost, by the way. Your Old Testament, your Hebrew scriptures were translated into Greek. So instead of saying weeks, which is what Shavuot means, it's just the plural of sevens. Jews grouped everything into sevens. Seven years is a week of years. Seven days is a week of days. Seven months is a week of months. And you might say, why do they do that? Well, they got used to the creation week. One, two, three, four, five, six Sabbath. One, two, three, four, five, six Sabbath. They started counting like that. No fingers and toes. They just count in sevens because that's what they got used to. In fact, to this day, the other days of the week don't have names in Hebrew. Yom Rashan. Yom, you know, Slishi is the third day. You go through and you count day one, two, three, four, five, six, Sabbath. There aren't weekday names in the Hebrew calendar. And so they got used to this. And so 50 is the Greek. So instead of saying weeks, they translate the Bible into Greek. They need a word. They say Pentecost. And that's where you get your word from, from that fifty. After the seventh Sabbath you shall bring a new grain offering to the Lord, you shall bring from your dwellings two loaves of two tenths of an ephod. They shall be fine flour, they shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits to the Lord. You shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish blemish, sorry, one young goat, two rams, and they shall be a burnt offering to the Lord with their grain offerings and their drink offerings made by fire with a sweet aroma to the Lord, that you may sacrifice one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two male lambs of the first year as a sacrifice of a peace offering. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest and you shall proclaim on that same day a holy convocation to you. You shall do no customary work. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap it wholly, but the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. By the way, that last part is going to play a part in other things, but it was a poverty program. Do you know what God's solution to poverty was? Well, one of his solutions was when you go ahead and you deal with your field, you leave the corners and some of the gleanings for the poor. It was workfare. You had to work, go out, get the food, and it was yours. So that those who were poor and unemployed had a provision, but they still had to do something for it. God's very wise, okay? Where your treasure is, your heart will be. What you invest in is where your heart will be. If you don't invest in it, you don't feel any connection to it. That's the way we're built. If you want to feel connected to God, invest in the things of God. It's real simple. And you'll feel connection. You'll feel a a stake in what happens. So we want to feel a stake for the kingdom. And the way we feel a stake in the kingdom is by doing kingdom stuff. So the people who are listening far away, you're doing kingdom stuff. And the people who are sitting here, you're doing kingdom stuff. And so that gives you more of a stake in the kingdom, doesn't it? because that's the way we're built. And so that was a provision that was made there. Now, the only thing I don't know is whether my back, do I have rabbit ears? No, it worked. (laughs) You always wonder what's going on behind you. What am I not seeing? The traditional observance, Jewish people don't do this anymore. We don't bring goats. I don't own any goats. I don't bring a bull, I don't buy a bull, I don't have a bull. We don't have a yard for a bull. We have red dirt and a little bit of it in our backyard. We don't do any of this stuff. Judaism today is not the Judaism of the Bible. Your Jewish friends need to know that. Okay? They're counting on the fact that being nice, seeking God in repentance, praying, engaging in the life of Israel is going to save them. Sort of like saying, if I come to church and I engage in the life of the church, I'll be saved, regardless of anything else. I've been to baptisms, and they believe engaging in the things of God that he gave ancient Israel will convert personal salvation on them. And they think they're doing everything the way they used to do it. Most Jewish people don't realize that that the Judaism that they're practicing is nothing like the Judaism of the Bible. There's no goats, there's no sheep, there's no wave offerings, there's no peace offerings, none of that stuff. The only thing they do, if you're really orthodox, is read about those things. And reading about them is supposed to be like doing them. Can you imagine that? I read about turning in my taxes, so I must have done it. I read about starting my car, so it must have started, right? I mean, that's the way life works. If you read about it, it happened. And, and that's really the way the Jewish prayer book sort of works. The, the things are there, it's supposed to read them. And it's as if we had done them. It's not as if you had done them. There's no as if in those verses. There's no if you read about it, it's okay. So what do they do with Shibuot now? It's considered the anniversary of the giving of the law at Sinai. That's what it's all about. Remember those tongues of fire? If you go back to Exodus and you see what happened there, God came with thundering and with fire and with all of these things, this dramatic display. Do you know the fire at Sinai is being manifested at Pentecost? Oh, wow, that same scene. Remember, Jews think in terms of scenes. Hey, proselytes, You know what you read about with Sinai? There's a big, huge God event happening here. And now, instead of the fire of Sinai, the fire is over the individuals and it comes with God's gift that you were supposed to wait for. Get it? The scene's repeating only differently. Now something's changed, but the fire has been given again. And that's the way Jews regard the law. And so they consider it the birthday of Judaism. Ragtag bunch of people out of Egypt who had spent 400 years being slaves under the leadership of Moses finally makes it to the mountain. God appears in awesomeness and says, Here is your constitution. Just imagine if our founding fathers got together and all of a sudden fire came. And there was a pillar of fire in the room and said, Here is your constitution. Live by it. This is how you function as a theocratic nation here are my guidelines for how a nation ruled by me will function in this time and this place got it get it good and that's what it was supposed to be about And okay good the other thing was the grain harvest now you need to understand something you say why do they have to have an offering every time they have grain I mean, is God hungry? He needs like a cereal break here. What, what is this? Why does this happen? God said to them, look, if you're following the Constitution, the, the land will work. It's my land. I'm letting you farm it. You're the tenants. If you do what I say and you live before me as a holy nation worshiping me, I will make the land fruitful. I will show you that I can give you from my land to your mouths and I will take care of you. And you will see my provision and know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Get it? Got it? Good. Okay? But if you don't follow my rules, I will show you that I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt and my land will not produce for you. And you will experience what it's like when you're out of relationship with me. My land will stop being productive. So every time my land's productive, you need to remember it was my land. It was my land that gave you because I made it give you. And so this is the early harvest. They've gone through the winter, they've planted, stuffs come up, the, you got the, the, the early crops, yay. Then we replant and we wait through the summer and we get the latter rains and the latter crops. And so remember the law? The law is tied to whether the land produces. If you follow the law, I make my land work. If you don't follow the law, I withdraw my blessing. I don't make the land work anymore, and it becomes hard and like bronze, and it will yield nothing for you. Do as I say, and the land produces, because it's my land. Don't do as I say and live under my constitution, and the land doesn't produce. So when the land produces, you need to remember who made the land work, and so that's the other sort of meaning behind Shavuot. Okay, and those are the two events, and you should have the right slide. Again, the ancient observance, you give back to God what God gave you. Folks, this is a principle. God gives you time, you give time to God. God gives you talents, you give talents to God. God gives you provision, you give back to God. It's real simple, it's relational. It's not transactional, it's relational. You're sharing. That's what fellowship means. So take some of that flour. Give me back a portion of what I made my land give you so that we share in the land together. Modern observance, there's no land. There's no fruits. There's no sacrifices. There's no acting priesthood. There is nothing. Go to Israel, and I love seeing the Western Wall. But the western wall isn't even a wall of the temple. It's the retaining wall to make the land flat to, to build the temple. There's nothing left of the temple. A lot of rocks, a lot of artifacts, great archeology, span nice stone floor, retaining wall. That's it. That's all you get. What do they do now? Well, they stay up all night and study the tober. That's encouraged. Um, some of us just don't have the sort of stay up like we used to when we were younger. I start looking for my warm milk in my bedtime. The staying up all night thing just doesn't work anymore very well for me. Uh, And so if I'm ministering the next day, it's kind of like, Lord, you spent it all yesterday and I got to get it back today. Um, But they're encouraged to do that. There's usually a homily about the law. That's not a far stretch for Jewish people. They're always talking about the law. They consume dairy products. If you're Jewish and you go to Chompy's, Cheese, blintzes are big on the menu. Blintzes are like crepes, only they're folded over. They're really good. Uh, Blintzes, dairy products, they're eaten. People say, well, what did dairy products have to do with goats being sacrificed? Uh, Very simple, the land of milk and honey. You accept the Torah, you come into the land, it's my land, you get blessed, remember milk and honey. So, eat milk, remember milk. It's very practical the way God dealt with Jews. Use your eyes and your nose and your ears and your taste buds to remember things about me. Eat milk, remember milk. And so they do dairy products. Now here's the one custom that's really strange. The milk makes sense. The Torah makes sense, because if you count the days from the Exodus and them leaving till Pentecost, it matches up pretty good. Give or take a day or two. You're right on target. And then they pull out the book of Ruth, and you say, now wait a minute, Ruth's named after a Gentile woman. You're learning about the law, but you're pulling out the story of a Gentile woman who was a Moabite. Does this make sense? Isn't this a little out of place? And so this one custom is really beautiful, but it it has a lot of ramifications for us. And so, here's the strange custom of Shavuot, pulling out the Book of Ruth. Now, I'm going to spend a little time in the Book of Ruth, and then we're going to go back to the spirit. We're going to tie Ruth in to the birthday of the church and Shavuot. And so, I'm juggling three oranges here, and I better juggle them right. Otherwise, we're going to have a mess right in front of the stage, right? Let me give you background on the Book of Ruth. And if the slide shows, you get to see the funny Hebrew writing. See that stuff at the bottom? Okay, that's Hebrew. Uh, And the first word, vayahi, means it happened, or then it happened. It's a time marker. Ta-da! And then it happened. Okay? That's the way your Bible sort of works with those sorts of things. They're real important in Hebrew because they let you see when the story's progressing and how it's progressing. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. What's happening here? You got to the land, you're supposed to stay in the land, it's God's land, it's supposed to take care of you, now there's a famine? Now for us, we have some meteorologists say, well, you know, it's La Nina or El Nina or El Drauto or something <laughs> like that, you know, and we just have that happen. But remember the way it worked for Israel. God said, look, when you're obeying me, my land works. When you're not obeying me, it doesn't work. There's a famine, that means they're not obeying God. This is a time of the judges. When every man did what was right in his own eyes. This was a a time of apostasy. And God says, look, you're apostatizing. I know the land's going to stop working. And so Elimelech wakes up, whose name means God is my king, with his wife Naomi and their two boys. I love reading Ruth. There's so much humor in Ruth. The son's names are like wasting away and spent. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So when I get to the verse where wasting away and spent died, I go, yeah, duh. You know? It's just great how Hebrew names work. And so what happens? He says, I know there's a famine in the land. I'm going to go to Moab. Yeah, because that's a more spiritual place. Great, you know? But he's thinking about the bread basket and the refrigerator's empty. So he takes his two sons and he goes to Moab, where they worship the horrible god Chumash, which they sacrifice people to alive. Really nasty, okay? Some real moral problems hanging out in Moab. Okay, and now, of course, the sons end up meeting girls. Now, we know that this famine's judgment due to Deuteronomy 28, 23, which says the heavens over your head will be like brass and the earth beneath you like iron. You don't do what I say. The land doesn't work. So they go taken off to Moab. And, of course, you know, the boys meet girls. Now, I'm going to go ahead and switch the slide. Okay. Uh, Ruth has a very nice name, means companion, essentially. Uh, the other woman's name means horse's neck. Isn't that okay. how wonderful? <laughs> My daughter a horse's neck. Are
1: you sure it wasn't
0: a horse face? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a horse face. Uh, but the idea is, is, is not pleasant. It's sort of like the way a horse doesn't want to turn its head, stiff-necked. Uh, and so that's kind of what her name means. And of course, the sons die. The father dies. And poor Naomi, she doesn't know what to do. Okay, our land's not doing well. I went to a new place. We moved to a new town. We got all set up. And now my husband's dead and my sons are dead. And there is no social security. So now women don't have a safety net. Okay, now God set something up. He set up a thing called the kinsman redeemer. If you got poor and your land had to be sold to pay the taxes, you got foreclosed on, One of your kinsmen could redeem the property. And so that's the idea of a goel, or goel, okay? Now, we look at this really weird. We say, look, you know, really? The widow without sons could be taken by her husband's brother to perpetuate his seed and ensure a succession in the land, which was bound to male descendants? Wow, who wants that? Look at my husband's brother. No way. And we look at it really funny. God has a way of doing things. And so, what God wants to do is preserve lines, particularly the Davidic line. Remember that there's this battle going on between God and Satan to bring the promised seed. If I can kill David's line of succession, I can prevent the Messiah. God says, I got a provision to prevent lines from being cut off. And it's going to become a picture of redemption. So I'm going to create a mechanism that saves something and points to something else at the same time. Isn't that cool? And so that's what the goal is. The next of kin had to be willing to buy the land. But if you buy the land, you get the girl. Doesn't work like this nowadays. You buy the land, you don't get the girl. But back then, if you bought the land, you got the girl. And so even though it's about the land, it's about the seed and it's about succession. Okay. It even gets used of God. When you sing about God being your redeemer, the Hebrew word is goel. If you want to talk about redemption, it's a form of this word. It has the idea of being bought back. Okay. Adam got us all foreclosed on. Okay, he sinned, and we ended up in a totally different territory with a different uh, landlord. Called Satan. And so there needed to be someone who was a kinsman who could buy us back. (coughs) And so our Goel paid the purchase price to buy us back. So we don't have the same landlord anymore. Which is good because he takes lousy care of everything because he's evil. There you go.
1: Yeah, he has chains.
0: So. Now, the funny thing about Ruth is God's using a Gentile woman to shame Israel during the days of the judges. I love the way God does this. Okay, I'm going to create an ideal Gentile woman, have her book her during, during Judges so that you will know the way you should have been behaving, and I'm going to use a non-Jewish person to show you what it's supposed to look like. Do you feel ashamed yet? Uh, I grew up with Jewish guilt and Jewish shame. You know, your mom turning to you and saying, hey, for this I carried you nine months, (laughs) okay? And this is the sort of thing God does. So he writes book, Ruth, to contrast Ruth with the days of the judges and essentially to say to Israel, look, who's acting honorably here? Who's the good guy in the story?
1: A kinsman redeemer?
0: A kinsman redeemer is the, the goel. Uh, Ruth is the one redeemed. Okay? That's what Romans 11 is about. Yes, it does appear. No rabbit ears, just a slide. God says, very simple Israel, you're supposed to be a blessing to the nations. Israel doesn't cooperate. God says, good. Now I'll do what I did with Ruth. I will shame you with the godly remnant of the nations called the church. I will show you the way you should. behaved, who you should have believed in, who you should have given your allegiance to. Not the rabbis. No, there's one you should have given your allegiance to. And I'll show you by taking people from every nation, Ruth's and guys like Ruth, okay? So we don't get into a gender problem here. And I will show you, and that's what Romans 11 is, okay? Part of it. When we get to 11 to 14, I say have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. Through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, uh, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world, see now the gospel goes out. It's not limited to Israel. It doesn't have to go through Israel. You have missionaries of all sorts going into all over the world, non-Jewish folks from every country. God's got a massive army going out, okay? Their fall is riches for the world. Now it goes freely. I'm not going to work through you Israel. I'm gonna work aside from you, and I'm just gonna go. Their fall is riches for the world. How much more will the fullness be? And then Paul says, yeah, here's the thing. I'm speaking to you Gentiles, that I might magnify my ministry. Someone says, well, Paul, how are you magnifying your ministry? You're this Orthodox Jewish rabbi guy, and you're going to all the Gentiles. This doesn't make any sense. He says, look, that I may provoke to jealousy some of my own flesh and save some some people are gonna respond. You know most Jewish people come to faith through the witness of a Gentile, not through the witness of a Jew. You talk to a Jewish believer and somewhere in their testimony will be a Gentile person. And you might say, well, that's weird. Now that's a little less now, because word has gotten out that there are actually Jewish people who believe. Before that was the best kept secret in the world, okay? Um, But the reason is you left your people see they can't put that charge on you you didn't leave they expect you to believe what you believe yes but now you could say you expect me to believe in Jesus but you know what he's Jewish I expect you to believe in Jesus too get it I'll show you that my new testament connects to your old your scriptures this is not God changing who he is this is God being who he is Which brings us to, see the lovely pictures there? Yeah,
1: cool.
0: Okay, Um, you're gonna see a few pictures and then we're gonna deal with those lovely slips because we've gone virtual. COVID has changed everything. So first of all, what do I do other than this? I love doing this stuff, okay? But I gotta do stuff during the week too. Um, I do street ministry, now COVID's curtailed that. (laughs) Uh, some of my fellow street evangelists and street uh, apologists are out there now. I've been a little renaissance. I would have loved the spring where it was still like 80 out, okay? And then the idea of being 80 out with a mask on my face, gloves, and a hazmat suit just, it's not exciting me much.
1: Uh,
0: but I need to start getting out there again. That's me talking to a, a young man during the winter. I actually had to put on a jacket, it was great. Um, And uh, I had a good talk with him. And I've had some good talks. Uh, I don't necessarily see tremendous big events in front of my face. God does the delayed action thing with me a lot. When I go out, I look for this. I wanna have the one good conversation about Jesus that you have for me tonight. And if there are two, that's bonus. And if there are three, that's even more bonus. But lead me to the one good conversation. I'm looking for the one divine appointment you have for me. It might take me 50 people to get to that divine appointment. It might take me passing out things. Uh, What sort of things do I do? Uh, I have done microphone preaching. That's a little little weird, you know, standing on the soapbox, feeling a little bit taller, getting a little bit of vertigo, you know, but I have done that. Uh, I pass out tracts, but I also do interviews. I love it. I want to get back out there and say, look, here's my little microphone that's attached to my phone. I have a question for you. During the present COVID crisis, do you have hope? Yes. What are you hoping in? And then give them the mic. And so I've done some interview evangelism. I also do two shows on YouTube. I'm not as good. I was talking to your your sound guy. He's giving me all sorts of ideas here. Um, But I do two, one's an apologetics show where I will deal with detractors like Rabbi Tovia Singer and I'll answer those. Uh, What are the objections to the gospel? Mm -hmm. I uh, do a lot with Islam and Judaism because the law is a big thing when I was growing up. Uh, I also do a little Bible teaching on Matthew called Matthew Through Jewish Eyes. Let's just have some fun with Matthew. Those are Wednesday and Thursday nights. The URL's up there. Check me out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. YouTube loves it. The more people I get to subscribe, the more stuff they let me use. So if I get up to a thousand people, they're going to let me actually communicate with people who watch. I'm excited about that. And so that's what working. Uh, Local radio, let me do that. There's my friend down at the Christian radio station. He does a show called The Forum Show. If you want to find out about it, you just go on to podcasts, you know, like iTunes and tune to The Forum Show. He said, I want to ask you how you got to Phoenix and why you do this and and what you've learned about life in the Lord through this weird trip you've taken. And I said, fine, I'll tell you about a weird trip. And so I went on a show. Okay, there's the virtual slip. Let's see if it virtually works. It virtually worked. Look at that. Uh, You may not be comfortable touching paper slips. So our office said, we're going to get smart. We want to see if people will use their cell phones and use this virtual card, plug in the URL, and then they can tell us that you made it to their church. So if you have a cell phone and you have Wi-Fi, you can feel good, uh, feel free to do that. It's real easy, it's just chosenpeopleoneword.com. oneword.com. Pray for Jeff Cran. You can go ahead and do that, and then the office will go, wow, it works. We can create a virtual sheet. Uh, if you're comfortable with the paper sheets, I'm gonna ask you to fill them out. If you're not comfortable with them, if you're going to do the paper sheet please turn it in before you leave because see we turn it into the office what the office is really interested in is how has COVID affected missions and ours in particular and then how's it affecting you so we've gotten on and had virtual meetings and said this is what Arizona looks like Uh, and so this is a way for them to go ahead and kind of know things and it's exciting to them to see this new virtual stuff work because it tells them there's a way to do this in a COVID world. And so that's helpful.
1: If you go to chosen
0: people, you just type in chosenpeople.com and then forward slash pray for Jeff Crane. So if you just go to chosen people, their website's really pretty, but it's gonna tell them that I came to your church. It's just gonna tell them their website's pretty. And I already agree that their website's pretty. Uh, You got to put the pray for Jeff Cran and then that takes you to our individual page where you see us, a little of my story. Um, They had to find a way to do it. They kept sending people to chosen people and then no one knew how to find the staff. Well, who works, who's missionaries with you guys? I don't know. And so they they created our own little URLs. And there's my lovely family. Um, My son got too sunburned. He's not normally quite that red. And then uh, if you're looking at the picture, oh, I'm going to laser point my lovely daughter. She's getting married in September. So oh, God. we're all excited. Nice young man. He actually came and did an internship with me on apologetics. And that's how I met my daughter.
1: How old is
0: she? Oh, uh, uh, that's a mom question. I'm looking at Marlene, she's laughing. Good 20s dad. 20s, early 20s. Um, early 20s. Yeah.
1: Okay,
0: yeah, no, that's okay. Just know that we're alive and now everybody knows you asked that question. That's So um, that's where we're at there. Um, All right. I'm going to do a double click. There we go. I did that because I like, okay. What's with the Holy Spirit? Now this gets into stuff all the time. I was doing a thing and an unsaved Russian Jewish woman, I almost want to call her Oga, but I know her name wasn't Oga. She just looked like an Oga. All right. Sit up there, and I talked about the new covenant. She said, there is no new covenant. There is only Torah. There is only Moses. Now, that's where most Jewish people are at. That's where Jewish polemicists like Tovia Singer are at. They don't like Jesus. Tovia Singer does his best to un, you can't unsave somebody, but he pushes on Christians to leave Christianity too. There's no new covenant. There's nothing but Torah, nothing but the five books of Moses and the prophets. Paul was a liar, Paul was deceived, he misrepresented himself, Uh, Jesus, I don't even know who he is. That's kind of Tovia Singer's thing. And he does YouTube all the time, affecting people. Here's the thing, there is a new covenant. How do we know? Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. This is the new covenant being given. Was there something that was going to replace Torah? Yeah, there was a new covenant. Where there's new covenant, there has to be new instruction. Folks, you can't have a covenant without instruction. How do people know what to do that's new? So new, there has to be instruction. And you're going to see the highlighted letters there, right? Now, why did I do that? Because one of the provisions of the new covenant was the spirit. I will write my law on their minds and on their hearts. See, Torah can't say, because Torah is external, And we have an internal sin nature god has to put it on the inside and have it work its way out it can't come from the outside and work its way in judaism says do the right stuff and you'll believe the right things i can tell you a lot of jews don't believe the right things god says believe the right things and you'll do the right stuff that's the way god works and so this is the new covenant And the promise of the Spirit is there. And Jesus inaugurated that new covenant. Do you know that you're all new covenant? If you're in Jesus Christ, you're in the new covenant. And how do I know that? Because Jesus said at the Last Supper, which was a Passover, which happened 50 days before this, right, approximately, this is the blood of the new covenant which was shed for the remission of many. And he's referring to his own death and shedding of blood. So the Spirit is a marker of the New Covenant. And the New Covenant was inaugurated by Jesus at the Last Supper. So where does that bring us? That's how Peter knows what's going on. Okay? He knows that those folks that go to Pentecost are a New Covenant because they've received the Spirit. They have the marker of the New Covenant. They have the sign of the New Covenant. Therefore, they're New Covenant folks. And Peter pays attention. He says, look, if I'm preaching right and people get saved, they're going to have the Spirit. They're going to be indwelt. Nice. Something's going to change. They're going to have an internal readjustment to deal with sin, sequential, internal, non-morality. There's going to be a new program put on the hard drive. And Peter gets it. Okay. And he is very clear in Acts 10 with Cornelius. Peter goes to a Gentile guy's house. You just don't do that. And he starts preaching. Okay? And while he's preaching, people believe. And when they believe, they get the provision of the new covenant. And this so astonishes the Jewish believers, those of the circumcision who believed, were astonished. How could this be? As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Peter goes, I get it. They go, I get it. I preached the gospel. They got entered into the new covenant. How do I know? Because they have the marker of the new covenant. Now remember, Pentecost originally was about the law. But now, Pentecost is about the mark of the new covenant, the Spirit. Do you see the transition? Originally was about fire and a pillar of fire and lightning and here is my constitution, my law, my manual for theocratic nation. Now, here is my spirit. Which will guide you in the new covenant. And so they get it. Okay? But then Peter runs into trouble in Acts 15. Because now all of a sudden, there are a bunch of guys saying, Jesus is nice, but let's add the law. Jesus isn't enough. You need to tell these Gentiles that Jesus is okay. He's a great add on program. You know, he's a great add in. You know, let's have Jesus plus something. Okay, we need to add something to Jesus. Because we really like the law, and we still think everyone should be forced to be under it. Have a nice day. We just can't give this up. We're addicted to the law. And so let's make them do this. And Peter says, "Uh uh-uh, see, I know this is wrong because, okay, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago, God chose among us that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And so God knows the heart and acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to sign a new covenant. I preach, they got an entry into the new covenant don't you dare put something additionally on these disciples that God has not intended. Don't you weigh them down with another trunk full of stuff. They were accepted by God. Who are you to question God's acceptance of these believers? That's Peter. So what have we seen here? Okay, We've seen this wonderful dance between the, uh, the nations in Israel still going on the dance is still going on we have seen that 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 the new covenant has come and instead of it being the law which it was at sinai which is what jews connect pentecost with now shavuot it's the spirit given through the church a body of individuals called from every tongue tribe kindred and nation and imbued with the internal dynamic of the Holy Spirit to live out the two great commandments, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself, which is the heart of the law. That's the spirit of Torah. Jesus said, if you keep these, you've kept the law. That's the spirit of the Torah. And the spirit lives in us to produce the spirit of the Torah. And the law is not bound on the church anymore as a set of regulations. We have a different structure. And that structure is spirit-led and spirit-empowered. And so we've moved from the law to the spirit in Pentecost. So what's your take-home? I had a Rich Freeman, my preaching professor, 6'5 foot tall plus Jew. He said he was the tallest Jew in the world. Looking at me, you can believe it. He said, you have to have a take-home truth. It's what they remember when they go to Starbucks after the service. So here's the take-home. Since Messiah brought the new covenant with the provision of the Spirit, we who are Messiah's spiritual offspring must live accordingly. And that's the take home. So, hopefully, you've seen ancient Pentecost, Book of Ruth showing the relationship there, Romans, and then how God moved them from the law as the governor, the child leader, the pedagogos temporarily to the spirit, which is the permanent inheritance of the New Testament believer. And that's where I'm going to leave things.
1: Thank you, Jeff, for, uh, for bringing that word to us today. Um, why, don't we, uh, why don't we pray... And then do some worship and then we'll go to Starbucks <laughs> <laughs> or Dutch Brothers Dutch yeah Brothers. Dutch Brothers. they have a longer line Doctors so the Dutch Brothers? I'm not really sure but they are Dutch let's go before the Lord father we come before you and we just thank you we thank you for the word that you brought through Jeff we pray that as uh, as he goes out and ministers in the street uh, that uh, you would broaden the borders of the ministry that you would Help him to have that one engagement with that one person. And I pray likewise for the rest of us that you would have a divine appointment for us that we may share the truth of what we know and in our hearts and our souls that your God, you, you are God and your son is the way, the truth, and the life. And only by his name can we be saved. So, Father, we thank you for this day. I pray a blessing upon all that are here today and all that are watching. And we pray this in your Son's holy and mighty name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>